He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And we- it is almost Halloween. <laughs> when we release this, it will be Halloween. That's so. right. Happy Halloween. In hours, it will be Halloween. That's true. Very true. You know, I did light up the jack-o'-lanterns tonight, so it feels like Halloween either which way. Ward off the evil spirits. No, it's very difficult. I uh, When I light the jack-o'-lanterns, I'm not allowed to blow them out, even when we go to bed. I have a superstition. It's silly, I know, but let me have it. I let you have it. You can have it. <laughs> you have not once complained that I have not unplugged a single light strand whenever they're up. Halloween, the lights stay on. Christmas, the lights stay on. They never get unplugged. Yeah, that's not giving me an ulcer or anything like that at all. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm sure that it's the little string lights that are really eating up our electricity bill and not the giant TV, the multiple computers. No, no. No. It's the string lights. It's the string lights. <laughs> anyway, we talk about stuff sometimes. Yeah, we uh, we try to find some unique thing in a, or uh, find something and try to bring two different viewpoints and uh, be it uh, someone who's, uh, or if we're watching a movie based on books, We've, uh, someone has read the books and someone maybe has not read the books or read the book and not read the book. We've done almost every iteration this month, I feel like. We've done books turned into movies, TV shows turned into movies, books turned into TV shows. I feel like we've done, and then just, uh, different versions of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've been saving the absolute, what is this? Is this the best for last? You were very specific. You had to do this one last. The last thing we did in Halloween had to be reviewing the Goosebumps movie, and I want to know why. I um, I will tell you after we do the plugs. Okay. Good job, babe. High five. Plug party. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea, on Twitter at Married Number Two the Idea. Or you can email us at marriedtotheideareviews at gmail.com. If you forget any of those, you can go to our website, marriedtotheidea.weebly.com, and you can find all of the links therein. And, of course, you can always listen to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Yes. So, we finally, <laughs> or we, we remembered to do it. We did. And we already have what we're going to do for next week's podcast because of a suggestion well, from no. a listener. No, no, no. That's the week after. Week after? Okay. Well, yeah. someone has suggested something that we will be doing. Yes. That w- that is very soon. Um, I, I, I knew I wanted to hold off and not do it during Halloween because we wanted to do Halloween stuff, but or during October to do Halloween stuff, but... Uh, is definitely going to be one of the next ones that we do. But if you have any suggestions, what you'd like to have us watch or say, hey, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, you know, definitely give us a, uh, a shout and uh, uh, on one of those things or let us know what you think. So, uh, however, uh, as you definitely saw by the, the title card, we are doing the Goosebumps movie. Now, the reason we're doing that is not because, and it's getting the the honor of being the last one, the most Halloween episode that we can do besides the other one, uh, is because uh, if you know me at all or know much about my life, I'm a reader. We actually met at a library, uh, and when I was a kid, Goosebumps and R.L. Stein were my absolute favorite. 
I uh, I didn't have a complete collection of Goosebumps, but I did have a pretty good collection at one point, and now I've actually started to rebuild my collection. Um, I'm actually tr uh, gonna download the full list of the original Goosebumps series and uh, start collecting them. I I've I've kept the very first one I've ever had, I ever read. I still have it, and it's a old worn copy of Escape from Horrorland. Um, I still have that and it's awesome. And then in fact, we even got my friend or our friend John, who's been on the show, um, for his birthday one year, we got him the board game Escape from uh, Horrorland. So I love Goosebumps. I loved it as a kid. Um, I watched the show. I watched, um, you know, of course I watched, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which was, in my opinion, better overall. But uh, the books are still amazing. I've read them a few times, even when I'm as an adult, and they still give me chills. Like, like even as an adult, like thinking, "Oh, this wouldn't happen," and you know, decades later. But man, could they give you some chills? So, I don't have any experience with the Goosebump books. I don't think I ever read a single one. I knew they existed, but I think. I found them too late in my life because at that point I was like, oh, it's a kid's book and oh, it's a scary kid's book. And I'm not really a fan of scares. Um, and whenever Liz and I decided to do this podcast uh, and we were like, well, let's find two different views of things, you know, come, come at it for two different angles. And we're like, well, books based on movies or sorry, movies based on books and stuff like that. I knew that Elizabeth was going to be mainly going to be the one who had read the books or will read the book um, and uh, then watch the movie and be able to tell me what the differences are. By this one, the tables are turned. Exactly. That's that's like that. I, I think I think this is one of my first ideas uh, that I wrote down that I wanted to do after we kind of settled on our format for this podcast. Um. I'm really excited to get to talk about this because of how how I felt about the movie. So let's talk it out. Let's 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 talk it out. Let's so. dish. Let's gab. I don't think we have to follow a particular format for this. I'm gonna say spoilers just to start oh, with. Oh, absolutely! Slap a spoiler warning on this because we are gonna get down into the nitty gritty of the details. Uh, we're going to talk about what books are referenced, what books did they even just kind of slightly reference, and, you know, uh, we, we're absolutely, we'll get into spoiler territory pretty damn fast, so. All right, yeah, I, I will. We'll go with a certain format. I will start off by saying, I think I'm just a sucker for a Jack Black performance. Really? Yeah, I don't know, there's something about the way he acts. Of course it's over the top and goofy and silly, but he's. That's who he is. He is so unabashedly himself. I think in the same way that a lot of people like Will Ferrell for playing Will Ferrell as a character, I like Jack Black for much the same way. He's a big, fun goofball, and he reminds me of Kevin Smith in a kind of way. I know it's kind of weird to make that connection, but they both are just unabashedly, unapologetically themselves. And even, you know, this, I'm not sure if the character is supposed to be played this way. 
I don't know if the ex, you know, I assume because of later cameos that R.L. Stein gave this performance his blessing. So I just wonder, you know, if I'm, I'm blinded because it's, it's terrible, but I still love it to pieces. I love this character. He says in such a weird way. Oh, and ma'am, you're my neighbor. Oh, lovely to meet you and your son and the police. <laughs> Uh, apparently he based part of his performance on, um, uh, the Orson Welles. Oh, yeah. Because R.L. Stein uh, has, he is secretive, but not like that. He's not paranoid. <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's kind of, I mean, he's a writer. He's, you know, he's withdrawn and everything like that. But, I, yeah, I, I think it's more of a dramatic <laughs> view on the the guy or it's a caricature of him um whenever i remember reading and i i found it again recently that uh jack black got cast as rl stein in the goosebumps movie and i was i was unsure whether i thought it was a good idea or not because i do like jack black in his own in his own way he has some very wonderful, wonderful roles. He can actually be a really good actor at times. He knows how to find depth in roles. He usually is silly, but when he finds that step to go down, it's 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 usually he usually turns in a pretty solid performance. Like, I liked him in Peter Jackson's King Kong, and a lot of people didn't, and I, I really I liked it. I don't understand, it. like. Like, they say because the original captain of the boat was more menacing. He was more, like, almost a villain or almost a uh, antagonist. Oh, no. What I heard was that the original Jack Dunham uh, was more charismatic. You couldn't tell he was crazy, and that's why people would follow him onto this boat to the edge of the world because he sold a good story. Whereas Jack Plack plays, Jack Plack plays it, can't talk plays it more like a obsessed man. Like, how did he ever get funding or people to follow him and believe him? But I actually really do like his manic, crazy, sort of obsessive qualities. And they make him really reprehensible in a way where he's not just a one-note villain or unlikable. And I do I do like his performance. I like him better than uh, Adrian Brody. How about that? Yeah, Adrian Brody just kind of floated through the movie. I don't think they gave him much to work with, honestly. But again, I think I'm just really blinded when it comes to a Jack Black performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it, you want to see a great Adrian Brody performance, watch uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. He has such a, like, a fun time playing a villain, and it's so out there. Like, we, that may be... That's one, the one that, where he that, kicks the cat out the yeah, window, right? Yeah, I think that may, be need, that may need to be a, a movie that we look at. It's a really good movie, and I don't think I'm a Wes Anderson fan most often, but I think he pulled together the right cast of characters, and they played like the story within a story within a story within a story angle correctly. Mm. Yeah, it was real strange, because it's like you start at one level, and then you go down, and then you go down, and you almost like go down again. It's almost inception levels of like you have to remember what's going on it does feel that way um the actors as far as they go i find the main boy to be uh rather likable and charming he's done a, a lot he's he was on that controversial show 12 reasons why 
Oh. Yeah, I think he was the main 13 character. 13 Reasons 13 Why? 13 Reasons Why, yeah. But, um, but he was also uh, on Alexander and the uh, No Good, Very Horrible, Bad Day, or whatever. I thought Steve Carell was in that. No, no, he was. Oh, okay. He, both of them were. He right. played the older brother. Right, right. You know, yeah. I'm still, I was still thinking about Adrian Brody for some reason. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the, you know, the, the main, yeah, the main kid, he's, he's done a few things. He has that kind of safe acting style. Like he's, he's sarcastic, but not too much. He's, he's got heart, but not stupid or overly, uh, or, uh, overly, um, uh, trusting, you know, he's kind of funny, kind of not, you know. I think he he was a safe casting choice. Like there there they didn't not nothing ventured nothing gained or they didn't venture that far out so they gained only that much. So <laughs> and you know he was a rather well dressed. Did you recognize the shirt that he's wearing at the very beginning? Yeah, I don't have that shirt anymore, but yeah. I know you used to have that shirt. I did. He looks in he looks so much better in it than I do. <laughs> so, uh but yeah, the um uh, this, uh, he did a good, he did a decent job. Jack Black did a decent job. The side character was okay. His, his guy friend? Yeah. Oh, I found him, just, I loathed him by the end of this. I, I remember, watching it the first time, he wasn't that bad, but watching it the second, because we watched it in the theaters, like, when it came out. Yeah. But watching it the second time... Um, I'll, and I'll get more into this, but like watching the second time, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going through the motions and this kid, I get every time I could see this kid's jokes a mile away. Yeah. And he was always the person who would get, who would unintentionally make a noise that would attract the monster. I'm like, stop being here. He, stop it. Even the ant who they play super annoying oh. at the beginning is redemptive and gets to kick butt. So to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's she's so unnecessary. She's one hundred percent unnecessary. That characters half of these characters are unnecessary, and they're just thrown in. Yeah, there's a um. I was watching as I was watching this again today before we sat down. I was struck by the fact that there is a really good story under this that I don't think should be in a Goosebumps movie. The story of him and his dead father. And yeah. being afraid to let things go, they act it, and the love interest plays it in such a way that it's rather heartbreaking at the end. And it plays, you know, it's just this real sadness about it that I'm not sure should be in a Goosebumps movie because it feels like all the monsters and effects are taking over this story, which is really deep and has to do with the R.L. Stein backstory about how he didn't have people when he was young and he built these monsters as a coping mechanism and Slappy and him being one and the same and then him and his father and learning how to, you know, accept and let people go. Like, all those things are super important, but I feel like they get stepped on by the effects too much. Yeah, like, and some of the CG is not good at all. Like, they they brought in an actual doll for the Slappy. Like yeah. Their actual oh, he's actually was, there, yeah. Yeah, and it, that part really works. They have some really good practical effects. I do but like But then the, all, they have all this, like, not really good CGI. I like the effect 
of the ink coming off, the word coming off the pages. That is as probably ink. the best effect, yeah. Because they, they showcase it really wonderfully the first time one of the books opens, and it's really cool looking. It looks like Goosebumps, and I get what they're going for that. Yeah, and what's cool, too, is uh, the, the original Goosebumps releases and everything like that, the actual title, Goosebumps, was actually embossed. So I got that kind of same feeling. Um, but back on the acting, the kid who played the, the comic relief, the be the best friend, who, again, is like, it, there was some, like, they kind of forced things to happen, and that that relationship when that was character, kind of forced. When that character does well, that character squints when it's done well. Eh, yeah. <laughs> it, no, I wouldn't even give him the level of squint. Like, and, I, and, and it's not like, I think squints is annoying. I think squints is actually a funny character. It's that this this character is unnecessary. The ant is unnecessary. They're only there for comedic effect, and they they have kind of like parts where they help, but it not much. It's like one scene each, and even then, it's like not really worthwhile because one both of them are just like kind of like, oh hey, let's just write this off. But um, he was actually in Super Eight. That same actor. Yes. Yeah, he was the kid who was always like the he was like the special effects kid. Yes. And he did a really he good job. He did a very good job in yeah. that. So I know this kid can act. I think is he wasn't given as much to work with. Um and I'll come to this other I'll come back to that character. But I think the mom actually is probably the best acted and probably the best written character. Or who they cast as the mom worked the best. It's I think you're right. The relationship of mother and son is totally believable in this. Yes, 100%. there's no "I hate you, mom." You move to a new town. Like it's it's an undercurrent, but it's much more about him dealing with the loss of his father than it is about oh, mom, you dragged me here, and I gotta make new friends. He doesn't actually seem to like mind about any of that. He's like, okay, well, mom, you are the vice principal. That presents its own set of challenges to a new like, kid. Could, couldn't we have gone to like Russia? Oh no, I I, I can't send the cold. North Korea. They didn't return my calls. And then uh, I was like, what about Detroit? Oh, now that's just mean. Yeah, they really like, do like each other, and you can tell that from yeah. this. Yeah, he's not happy with this choice, but he knows there's not he, he can't do anything about it. And it's like, God, Mom, you just don't understand. No, he's just God. Like, he, 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 he understands. It's like a real person. And the thing is, too, uh, I didn't know this is the first time, and it makes sense. This choice now makes sense, having watched it the second time. There's a reason that she chose that town. Her sister lives there. Yeah, well, duh. Her, her husband died. Yeah, they have a nice little they have a thing between the two of them. Where it's like, and how's he doing? You know, a change of scenery would be fine. How are you doing? Like, exactly. It's it's the sister relationship, someone whose family yeah. to help. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it absolutely. It's like, she moved there because she needs help. She needs support, too. And That's what I'm saying. I think this story, like, it, you know... Do you think they threw, I don't know, I, the story is too heavy there, for a Goosebumps there, movie. There's, ju there's just enough of interwovenness, that they've interwoven the stories, a Goosebumps, the monsters coming alive from the books, and this character, they've interwoven it just enough that no, I don't think they could break it apart without having to change a lot of things. Do I think that they should have done them separately? Yeah. But right now, they, they've got it just interwoven enough. You can still see all the holes, but just enough where it's like it's hard to kind of pull apart. Well, let's do this. Do you like the meta style of this movie? No. Well, 
do you like that Arlson exists in this world and his monsters come to life and he's an established author? Do you like the I've, I've noticed I've noticed a lot of these and this isn't a new idea either. This is an idea that people have done for a while. In fact, uh, the show Are You Afraid of the Dark toyed around with this a little bit. And like uh, they had this like big special that reunited a bunch of the original uh, Midnight Society with the new Midnight Society. And they had to do this thing where they had to solve a mystery and all this and all that. And um, it ended up, it wasn't that, it wasn't bad, but it was saying that in reality it was a it was actually there the guy who was telling who like who sent them on the mystery to begin with like it was like they had to solve clues and run away from things and all that uh that they actually um it was actually the person who did it telling the story as a kid it was the whole thing that happened was a story being told by the person who actually sent them on the adventure okay yeah it's it, it like it they still did episodes after that. It was so it was kind of strange that they did that, but I think that was aimed as being like the finale of the the whole show. It's kind of a bit of a Saint Elmo's ending, yeah, really kid holding is. a snow globe kind of ending. So, what do you think about this one? This one, as a fan of the comic books, I understand why they did it because they wanted to have all of the monsters, all of the the have every monster but the thing is is that's part of the charm of the goosebumps books even though each of them and there's i'm, I'm pretty sure there's references to other books beyond like monster blood one two three um slappy or uh, the night of the living dummy revenge uh the living dummy the blob that ate everything. Well, then that one was by itself. I'm talking about like when it had sequels. Oh, okay. Like say, say cheese and die again. Um, Haunted masks two or something like that. There, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of these that they they will make references to each other, kind of like Stephen King, but not they're not they're not necessarily a shared universe. I kind of would have loved to seen them do. Maybe take one and pull it into a feature length movie or combine two, and then they have to go through and do more things, or like they do have a shared universe or something like that. I don't know. Is it is it a full, is it a good idea? I have no idea. But with this one being meta, I don't know because they're doing the same thing with uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, or they did the same thing with Legends of the Hidden Temple. So I, I don't know. I... Well, I think they made a good call in not trying to stretch a children's book into a full-length movie. Do you think from the books that you've read that there's enough material in one book to make a full-length movie? If you did something like Night of the Living Dummy or Monster Blood or something along those lines, which every damn production company is trying to find the next mcu or something like that would this be the next mcu no but it could be like a kid's version of it you know like the the stupid uh diary of a wimpy kid how that's been made and made and remade and remade and remade um or the chipmunk movies even yeah but eh. no yes no yes maybe so from someone who never read the books even i i knew the covers 
So it was fun for me to see. Like, I remember clearly the giant uh, praying mantis cover. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that joke that they did. But he forgot that he wrote it. He's like, I don't remember writing about a giant's praying mantis. And then it throws up and it's, oh, wait, yes, I do. Like, I read that book. There wasn't, like, because it was called A Shocker on Shock Street. Yeah. And the Praying Mantis is involved, but it's not the main bad guy. That was part of the problem with this entire freaking thing. Half of the things that, like, were supposed to be the monsters and everything like that weren't actually monsters in the books themselves. The, uh, uh, the Invisible Boy... He's not a monster. He's a nuisance. He's kind of a jerk, but he's not a monster. Well, In I fact, I think spoiler alert, spoiler alert, he's actually the only human. That's the whole, that's the twist. Like the people that you're reading about are actually like alien mutant type things. And he looks like a human. He has two legs, two arms, a head and red hair. But he's invisible. But he's invisible. Everyone else is like, Three arms or something like that. It, they, but he never made reference to it, like that they may be something off, you know. Well, I think you know, I think when I say monster, because of what happens to the love interest, I think monster is just a catch-all term for <sighs> yeah, a, but a supernatural it, creature that's yeah. that he wrote. But even still, like the praying mantis. First off, in the book, the praying mantis is like silver, like chrome almost. And this one, he just looks like it's just a giant. The illustration it's a was green. No, it's cover. no, it's silver. Oh, I remember seeing a green one. No, it even they even showed it in the end credits that it's silver. I did like those end credits. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go back on that. But like that in uh, Werewolf of Fever Swamp, if I'm not mistaken, he is a werewolf, but he still has his mentality. Like they make they make all the quote unquote monsters. From the books, evil, when some of them, if not half of them, aren't evil. That's interesting. Maybe because it'd be hard to write that into a and movie where people don't know the source material. Yeah, and they do nothing. I'm saying nothing with the... There's, there's, there's two that they could have done that could have easily... Now, I like... Slappy being the main villain. Yeah, does that fit into... Yes, he wasn't the villain in the first book that he was in, but he became the villain in other iterations or sequels in books, and he became a face of Goosebumps. Like, it was a skeleton that was wearing, like, 90s clothing and Slappy, and maybe one of the monster blood things, but that was about it. Um, Because... There, like, there's a good number of books that aren't, they don't have a monster, but there's supernatural things happening. But yeah, he's one, he was kind of that one that, that he became the kind of the face, kind of like the Billy Puppet or Billy the Puppet from Saw. Billy the Puppet's only in a few things. He, he has John's voice, and that's the whole thing is he's presenting the game. Slappy is kind of one of those things, like he's, He's in a couple books, but he's not like a recurring element, like the Crypt Keepers, uh, Crypt Keepers, Keeper, or something like that. Um, so, but he's definitely a villain. Like, I if I I only read Werewolf of Pasadena a couple times, 
And if I'm not mistaken... You mean the Abominable Snowman of Pasadena? Yeah, thank you. Um, that one, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think they did find a snowman, and they brought it to California, and it, like, melted... Like, it was trapped in the ice, and it melted, and then he, like, went on a rampage. So Scooby-Doo. Kind of... <laughs> Like, in, in, he's probably the closest iteration, uh, or he's the, cl- the closest representation besides Slappy, I would say. The Praying Mantis is, um, like, from a monster movie. Because what happens is it's, uh, these kids get invited to go to a theme park. But the theme is all of these, like, they this guy, one of the main character's father's, um, makes all these horror movies, like Shocker on Shock Street, and there's a couple others, but, um, and they're huge fans of them, and they he, they get to go, like, ride all these, like, kind of rides, and get to see, like, sets rebuilt in real life, and stuff like that, but it, things keep happening, they get stuck in the park, and kind of a Jurassic Park, but with horror movies versus dinosaurs. Gotcha. But it's, they're all animatronic, but the animatronics, like, something weird happens with them, so. As happens. Yeah. Um, the twist in that one was actually pretty good. I thought that one was pretty good. I do like the, uh, one of the ending lines. Yeah. The, he goes to be an English teacher. He's like, you know, every good story has a beginning, a middle, and the twist. And I will admit. It's the, very much like the prestige. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit the twist for the movie I didn't see coming the first time, and even the second time I like I looked for to see if like that they kind of played their hand at all anywhere else and no not really, so but it it really actually kind of worked, so um but yeah I not ha- I'm I'm like they didn't do an amazing job with the menace but they didn't do a great job with the meta menace either okay so. Um, and then, so let's, let me take a step back and uh, go back to the love interest. You have a lot of opinions on this. Little, uh, little, uh, mini Mila Kunis. Yeah, she looks exactly like Mila Kunis. It's scary how much she looks like Mila Kunis. This actress, I cannot tell if she gave it all of her might and just couldn't. get that kernel of what the character was or she did not try at all. <laughs> I cannot honestly tell. She's that she's that weird performance. There's scenes where I honestly feel like she's acting and she's trying and then there's other scenes she is just there. I felt that she was the most capable out of all of them. Yeah, I I she has points. I think what happens is they actually like the main character sucks it out of her at one point because uh, she is like, she's like, not head, she's she's a little headstrong, but she's like, she knows what she has to do and she's like doing it and being all brave and everything like that. And there's a point about halfway through the movie where she stops being that and almost, she's not a damsel in distress, but she doesn't help either. And the main character is the one coming up with plans and doing all that stuff, so. <sighs> I didn't like her. <laughs> I I uh I thought that her character was very vapid. I don't know. I didn't get that from her. 
I may be using the wrong term. It's quite honestly, it could be that I'm using the wrong term, but. I felt it was nice because she knows the entire time that No, she, she doesn't. She, I think, she, to a point in the movie, she doesn't know, but she figures it out on her own. At the end of it, she says, how many sweet 16s does one girl get? She True, knows. she knows. Okay. It adds but, a depth of complexity to her character because she knows the, she she's not real. She doesn't show that she knows before that But that's point. why it's more poignant that it happens at the end. I mean, if we think about it, if we say if they played their hand that she knows she's not real, how can she be invested in anything that happens? But she, but to know, to but think to, that she's real, which means everything could know? hurt. She's th- what that means is that she's never in any true danger. She, yeah, but she can even be still, killed she or acts hurt. like she is. She forgets that she is. She no, conveniently the, forgets that she is. But that's what's nice about it is that she doesn't play it like an invincible Superman. She's like... I don't want her to play it like an... Well, I want her to play it a little bit more like an invincible Superman. Because, like, it all... It, when they threw that in, I, I was like... I think I remember sitting in the theater thinking, like, that's so weak. Oh, that's weak. No, I I liked the idea that she knew and didn't say, and that she knew that... No, just making her a monster, someone that he created to begin with. And that's, and that's really cool, too. The idea that he was so lonely that he... So, let me ask, let me ask this, then. Does he actually have a wife? No. Like, he said something about... My ex-wife living with her new husband and this and no, that. No, that's a play. My interpretation of the character was that he was never able to get close to anyone. That he was never able to connect with anybody because he, he was a recluse. then he makes a daughter character. Yes, and so he makes a daughter. I don't find... I find that really poignant and nice. It's better than making a wife. That'd be very Stepford Wives. I'll yeah. write a wife but, into existence. But, but it's still a weird kind of controlling. And he's definitely controlling. Well, yeah, her. he's a parent. That's why it's, they work together. The parent controlling versus the creator controlling and how to let those things go. I think I actually more so was upset by the way that where at the end all the monsters have to get written back into the book and she goes that the movie and the acting both play on it's much more sad for the boy to lose a girl he's known for one day than then for this girl's like oh, i have to stop existing. yeah exactly like, yeah. yeah like they play it as you know as you know stein like comforts him you know like it's okay and but like but that was her that was his daughter for all intents and purposes and they're like no but this 24-hour relationship that's where the real tragedy is and again that's why i don't think they give the story enough time because it's clearly about more than her it's about his father and it's about people leaving and death and letting go and there's there's a good number of scenes that easily could have been cut out and re ha- the time redistributed to the actual story at hand mm-hmm. there's this whole thing with the cops and like how they had to do this and then like why make the why, why do the incompetent why these, cops why are these cops care these kind of weird fleshed out characters i i didn't mind the romance between the mother and the teacher gym teacher whatever well because what she it, why care. is it necessary well it's, it's it's funny because she's worried about her son she's like oh be safe and he comes up behind her he's like 
we're going to be okay. And she says, not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that about her. She's pretty no-nonsense about the whole thing, and yeah. that's refreshing. I understand that. I'm not saying it had to be that would have to be cut out, but, like, there are scenes with that and, like, champion the 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 – the Having side character. two parents who were Olympic gold medalists, and like, why is that a thing? Like, I think they're dro- I think they were dropped plot threads that got left on the cutting room floor, honestly. Or they like they like they they're like, oh wait, we have to do this. So throw it in real quick. Throw it in real quick. Throw it in real quick. Like restitch it. It, it. Now here's the thing. Maybe this. Okay, I just thought of a meta narrative that might be better than the one we got. What if the narrative wasn't that those creatures came into our world? But that our protagonists were sucked into one of the books, or they had like, like that that scene in um, Looney Tunes back in action where they go through the different paintings. Yeah, like that. That would be really cool. Or Futurama, where they go fight the big brain through all the books of literature. Yes, you have a setup right there. Hello, <laughs> McFly. <laughs> So maybe that would be, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but I just thought of a narrative no, that might work. That, no, that's a better idea. Now, I will say this of the movie. They did have this tone with setups and how the characters interacted with each other, except for the the damn riffing or the damn, like, improv, um, like, loose script. You think that script was loose? I think some of it was loose. I don't. And Jack Black, it's not Jack Black. It's the aunt. It's the cops. It's the uh, the the mother did it some, but she knew it well. It was the the gym teacher, the ones who were like riffing and uh, stuttering and all that stuff, and you know more improving the lines as a character versus, um, you know actually just getting a script and going off of that. Uh, there's times when their interaction between the characters or some of the things that the characters do absolutely reminded me of Goosebumps. Um, how the kid overreacted and uh, called the cops on a domestic disturbance and um, how, uh, you know, how they like, they had to come up with something at the end. And there were, there were scenes in this and there were, tones that I got from this I was like okay I feel like I could be reading a Goosebumps novel right now it's not all the time it's not 100% of uh, everything or one character's really good as a Goosebumps I would say the main character is the closest to an actual Goosebumps character okay um but that's 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 both a a compliment and an insult because a lot of times the main characters of the Goosebumps are the most cardboard cutouts. That's why if you watch the show, the main characters are usually the most bland, the most boring. So someone, anyone can step into that and be like, oh, this is what I would do. So, uh, yeah, it's both an insult and a compliment. Um, Tell me this, because uh, this... Tell probably me more, tell me more. <laughs> this was probably the the biggest plot hole that I've wanted to uh figure out um so slappy pretty much can do anything alters reality bends it to what he wants teleports no, can make things do 
No, he doesn't have those kind of powers. Well, let's break it down. He shows up at the very beginning, makes the lights flicker on and off and instantly move to different parts of the room, makes books disappear from people's hands, makes an entire shelf of books disappear in two seconds into the car waiting down. Like, he pretty much is omnipotent. He, no. not in a God way, but he can make anything happen that he wants to happen. He has the power to do that. So my question is, how does he ever get defeated? Like, he should be able to do absolutely anything. So why, how in the world could he ever get defeated? Oh, uh, what? Tell me. No, I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. Because I think it's less of, like, powers and more of it happened to happen or that it's kind of like a, a slasher villain that they walk at a slow pace but still manage to catch up to the, the screaming teenager. But it, the whole thing starts with probably the most improbable thing out of the whole thing. So they find the key and they unlock the Abominable Snowman book and he opens up and all the books fall off the shelves but they're all still locked because they're locked books. And no, they then, actually show they actually show one of the books is open and then it's something like the key fell into one and it turned. They actually show that. No, I was watching it. Slappy's book un opens itself without having any key in the lock. Then I guess if you wanted to look at it that way, I still I still it it shows a book being partially open and having the key get turned by itself. But even still, I I but I guess you could say that one character that would be the closest to be able to do that, to have that power, would be Slappy because apparently that's the closest to Jack Black's version of R.L. Stein. I guess that's what I'm saying then. Is, is he had the power to do that the whole time then? There's no lock that could contain him if he has any power at any time to just be like, well, I'm close enough to the key. Open. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe it was because of that, but he was he was just These he, are just he was in his he was waiting until like something happened. And these aren't attacks. Go. These are just plot questions. These are just questions about the plot. Oh, <laughs> well, the thing is, I'll I'll attack the the plot uh, <laughs> a lot more than you are if you want me to. <laughs> um, that opening sequence of shots was ridiculous. I think, like, what, six to seven shots of a bright, sunny day with one car on a road with the music trying as hard as it can to convey scary, <laughs> mystical things are happening. And I'm like, it's a sunny day with a car driving on it's the road. It's supposed to be that, like, that Disney Channel original movie, spooky. Yeah, but even with the Sanderson, spooky even with Hocus Pocus, there's a shadow of a witch on the ground, and there's fog, and it's dark, and like, okay, I get the point here. All you had to do is show them traveling to there at night, or do different angles of the road to make it seem more foreboding, but it was like six cut-to shots of this car from different helicopter angles, and then all of a sudden the Goosebumps logo shows up, and I'm like... Nothing conveyed that this was a Goosebumps movie until the titles showed up on screen. I mean, if you look at it, you take out the monsters, this isn't a Goosebumps book at all. Okay. Well, they say that there has to be some personal growth for a hero at the end. There's no... There's no... I mean, like, I guess about letting people in, but he's not the one that's keeping people out. Like, he can't... No, he has to let people go. Stein has to let people in. That's those. There's two different lessons being learned here for our protagonist. And I guess it depends on who you think the protagonist is. Because the end, the boy writes the book. 
not Stein. He finishes the book. Yeah. Yeah, he, no, the, Stein writes most of the book, but he has to finish the last two pages. It was funny to watch him walk into that school auditorium and they were doing a, somehow a play production of oh, The Shining. Oh, by the way, because the, they said something about like, oh, I think he's just trying to be a kid's version of uh, Stephen King and he's trying to rile him up to really prove that he was Oh, yeah, Einstein. like, it's just as well because, you know, it's pretty derivative. Stephen King, he slams the brakes in the car. Stephen King wishes he could write like me. I've sold more books than Stephen King, but does anyone ever talk about that? No, and actually that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like 400 million copies. It's like, is that domestic? It's, no, it's international, but it's still impressive. Yeah. As, as, <laughs> I don't know. Just watching Stephen King churn out 400 books, I'm like, I've never been one of a quantity better than quality harper lee wrote one book yeah and it's two she came out with another one recently well, at, but... no posthumously like that was a you know that right all right look it up to my so. knowledge the second book that was released is much like the um the other author who oh, died yeah and the they, girl with the dragon tattoo and they released the work uh ghost written in part from an unfinished manuscript that the author had previously in their collection. Because Harper Lee was famous for never writing another book in her lifetime after To Kill a Mockingbird. No, she only died last year. Wow. But the book was just last year, was it not? Um, looking that up. Go Set a Watchman. Yeah, Go Set a Watchman. Yeah, she died February of last year. Go Set a Watchman. No, it came out before she died. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of Faulkner. Because Faulkner, uh, there were several books, unfinished manuscripts of his that got published after his death because people really wanted to know more about his uh, writing process. But, like, that's the thing, though. Like, Harper Lee just died, and she only has two books to her name, one of which was right before her passing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, anyway, the whole point was that Having 400 books under your belt does not quantitate great. It's having a great book yeah. that makes you great. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King has turned out so many books. but They're bound to be duds at that point. If you write one book, it could be a masterpiece, and you just walk away from the game. But if you write 400 books, there there is a good chance that there are duds in there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like There's so many of those stories that he's written that weren't very good, and then we're still adapted for a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like. I did like. But yeah, they they show that it was the the shining that they're putting on a version of the shining. Yeah, I don't know how. I do not know how a you do a high that school, you do that for a high school or b how a high school gets away with that. Oh yeah, there's nothing in the shining that is kid friendly for a high school. Like they do the crucible, but that's about as much you can get away with, and that's because all the deaths happen off screen. Exactly. <laughs> there and you know he's on that stage. The night was cold. Cold was the night. Yes, yes. Start over again as everyone's dying from... Okay. No Here's, one dies in this movie. That's the most egregious thing. A child gets pulled out of a gym wall by the giant but they show praying him at mantis the end and, and like, he shows up still alive just in a giant head contraption. Like a full body cast. But he is still alive. I'm like, no. Dude died. He's dead. They wouldn't have the, um, the kind of... Uh, they wouldn't have that uh, 
courage. They wouldn't have the courage to do that. Well, you couldn't play the game that way. You know, I do really like... Uh, I had to look this up, and I think you knew it already, because I feel like you told me this when we watched the movie the first time around. But uh, he, uh, Jack Black is in the hallway at the end, and he is talking to uh, the boy walking down the hall, and then this character... Just this character in black just walks by, and he says, oh, hi, Mr. Black, and they just keep walking, and the boy's like, who's that? New drama teacher. Oh. And they keep walking, and it's never mentioned again, but I'm very certain that you told me in theater that was R.L. Stein. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, yeah, they, they played, played that off of the fact that Jack Black is an actor playing, and he is R.L. Stein, and they say, uh, hi there, Mr. Black, hi there, Mr. Stein. It's adorable. I love it to pieces. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Neil Gaiman. If you ever see pictures of Neil Gaiman, he's always dressed all in black, and I'm not sure what that is about writers who just dress in black and have long, unkempt hair, but it was really, really fun to just have that cute little cameo, real quiet, don't, you know, if you don't know, it's okay, but it was fun to be like, you know, the writer and the actor switching places for this role. <laughs> it's probably one of the better... Uh, um. Uh, writer cameo, writer of the thing cameos I've seen. I kind of feel like he should have been the voice of Slappy instead of Jack Black doing a dual performance. I, I don't think he would have had the range, like the 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 comedic timing, the range of it. So that's true. I mean, Neil Gaiman was the voice of the cat in the Simpsons parody of Coraline. Really? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I think he he he's done another. He's done another. Part on the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror as well, so. <laughs> That's fun. And I guess it's true, just because you can write doesn't mean you can act or voice act, and it requires a lot out of you. So, yeah, yeah. I guess I don't see that. But it would have been fun, a little aside. They, and they tried way, they pushed it way too hard, that Slappy's Stein, and Stein is Slappy. Yeah, we got like, that enough. You didn't have to do the dual mirror thing. We could have figured it out. stupid. Like, like the, they were like, oh, this is going to be such a cool visual. And it was just like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. There are times when it's that is really cool. This one is got to be subtler. You got to be subtler with that kind of thing. It was like, uh, it was <laughs> not. It was not a. Overall, this movie is not amazing. Yeah, but I really feel that its faults have to do with the combining of these two stories without giving it enough time and try to throw too many monsters into the mix i feel like this, it's very honestly, point a to point b like you see it like first we have the scene in the house then we have the scene in the supermarket then in the graveyard then in the school like it's very linear storytelling where you see that each place they go there's going to be something that happens something will be revealed another monster will show up Boom, bada, boom, bada, boom. They yeah, do twist very, it well. It's very by the numbers. They do do a, a couple good twists where you think that uh, Stein's escaping in a bus and it turns out to be another bus and they blow the other bus up to get rid of the monsters off the trail. Like, that's cool. And yeah, no, you can't you can't kill it with conventional means. You have to do with, with the books themselves. Yeah. And I like the idea of you have to write another book. And you can't just write a, a bad book. It has to be a Goosebumps book that hides, wraps everything up together. And I guess that's the point. Like, if they had ended with them closing the book and, like, faded out and it was a story, another Goosebumps book, 
that might have been another meta interesting narrative where you rush him on it like the Grand Budapest Hotel and at the end you realize because he did literally write the book about what was happening to them to seal everyone away you pan back up and it's another R.L. Stein book so mm, yeah. like, like two realities yeah and here's the thing too this is something that they didn't even touch on at all like they easily could have said like like I've written more books than I, I, I I've sold more books than him there's a reason that R.L. Stein has sold more books than Stephen King. Stephen King is written for one audience, pretty much. R.L. Stein has not ever really, really written an adult book, but he's written for young kids, like for Goosebumps, for kids just a bit older than that with um, The Nightmare Hour, and then he's written teen horror. He's even written teen comedy, too. It's actually kind of a fun teen comedy, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, but, like... There's, he has a whole lot of books to his name. Fear Street was his first set of books that I think, I think he started with Fear Street. Then he went to Goosebumps. Then he went to Nightmare Hour. And then there was like Goosebumps 2000. And then there was, um, there's, there, he's done a couple things since then, but it's just like, or a couple series since then, but each series has at least 30 books. And it's just like, holy hell. (laughs) <laughs> I need to start collecting Fear Street. Those are good. <laughs> there's one. Oh man, there's one that's like dealing with schizophrenia, and it was really like a like interesting way to look at it. So, but I uh... there's so much pain in your eyes right now. It it hurts. A bit because of how much these books still hold a place in my heart. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to recollect them and, you know, just just feel them in my hands again. And think back when I first read them or like what it reminds me of, like how I can't hear the song. Uh, uh, what's that one by Lenny Kravitz? Let Lenny Kravitz. Um there's one it was something to do this with flying and i'm forgetting what it is that's all no that's no, the eagles that yeah uh it's one of his most famous one of his biggest singles he uh it, that song got released while my parents and i were traveling one time and i remember stopping at a gas station uh and it was that mid afternoon where the sun is real bright and right coming across the plateau and um and i remember uh i got because this that song premiered or that song played and uh the crispy m&ms had just come out and i wanted to try them and i was reading uh oh was it cluck cluck no is the one about these people slowly turning into chickens. So you've got a real cool sensory memory there. Yeah, like, I can't hear the song and not think of the book. I can't eat M&M's and not think of the book and the song. And I can't think of the book and not hear that song playing in my... Or at least think of the M&M's and actually taste them a little bit, so... That's cool. It's yeah, it's very it's a very specific memory. We're, like, reading one day at Horrorland, like, when I was real young. And, like, that's what my first my first voyeur into uh um horror and scary and thrilling and stuff like that was was this book series so um 
yeah, he wrote for kids, but he wrote for kids in a way that, like, just, it brought you up onto a different level, so. Let me ask you this. What's your favorite Goosebumps book that you'd recommend? Oh. I can't help you. <laughs> I cannot help you out with the narrowing down. You're going to have to give me a straight answer. You talk about something. I'm going to go check the, 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 the shelf. <laughs> All right. You go look at the list, and I'll fill for time. Um, I know what I'll do. I will start with my rating, and I'll give you a chance to do that. Um, I would rate the Goosebumps movie 6 out of 10. I enjoy the mother-son relationship. Very believable. I enjoy the Jack Black performance. If you don't like Jack Black, this isn't going to change your mind. But if you do, it's another good Jack Black performance. Uh, it has faults, and I think I've touched upon that with the uh, straining of the two plots that seem incongruous and doomed up at the end, but not enough in a way that both feel like they're fully resolved or given enough uh, import. Uh I like the uh, ending credits are really cool. Uh, you know, as with many movies with the CGI, I often wonder why they didn't just make an animated movie because it looked really cool. But I'm, again, a sucker for animated visuals. Um, it's by the numbers, but there's nothing in it that is terrible. There's nothing in there that's cringe-inducing. The, you know, the comic relief character isn't particularly, like, you know great to have around but I don't think they give him nearly as much time as they could have they don't Jar Jar Binks it up so I'll, I'll give him that um oh and because sorry it's a half and half review which means my real score would be three out of five yeah yeah, yeah. Aaron was like you forgot to do the right hey you're right I remembered all by myself oh he's coming back do you have so an answer I, yeah I, I would have to say it's probably I, I'd probably have to do top three in no specific order um Uh, calling all creeps because it's it's so weird that this it's one of the few stories that he writes where the people who get their comeuppance isn't the people who you expect to get their comeuppance uh like it's not like where a bully gets shown up at the end it's like it's probably the most sinister ending ending that I've read of the the series. Um, it's it ends in a very uh, basically this kid is being harassed uh, throughout his like high school or junior high, and he meets a girl who it's like oh we're we're gonna play a prank uh, because he writes for the newspaper he writes for the school newspaper we're gonna we're gonna do a prank on the editor who's one of the people that bullies him a lot. And we're going to say, calling all creeps, call uh, this number, her number, um, and tell her how much of a creep you are and stuff like that. Um, and uh, the newspaper comes out. She caught the prank and flipped it on him and put his phone number in. So he's like, well, crap. That means that 
you know, he got pranked instead. And then he actually gets phone calls from, he's like, we are the creeps. We're, we're so glad that we can finally communicate with you now. And then he's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But they keep calling and it turns out they're actually these like reptilian monsters that like, and it's actually this like group of bullies that suddenly stop bullying him. And it's really funny. And they're like, well, we, we shall take over the, we shall take over everyone with our plots and you are our new leader and this and that. And he's like, Oh, I don't want this. I don't want that. And like, and then there's a moment when everyone could be redeemed and they don't. And he lets them take over. Oh yeah. It's super sinister. Like the twist is that instead of there being a twist, there's like, he just lets it happen. That's like that episode where the kid gives the monster in the basement his brother in exchange for yeah. a bike. Oh, it's not his brother. It's the bully. And that's, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that at a, at a later, later date. But, ooh, yeah. But it's kind of like that. So, Calling All Creeps, uh, uh, Beast of the East, which is basically a giant game of hide-and-seek, which is, it's kind of fun just because of how, how it ends. It's just so funny. Uh, basically, these kids get in, involved in a game uh, the like where these monsters or like these beasts almost look like giant blue bears mixed with like a little bit of pigs, stuff like that. They're uh, and they have to hide from them and they have to uh, they have to survive and to survive, they have to stay away from people and they have to do there's like certain rules and stuff like that that they have to play with this game uh, to basically live and not get eaten. And they end up surviving the night, and they get special thing with, because at one point they're standing on a rock, and they're like, oh, rock safe, rock safe, but you only get it for an hour. And then, like, they figured out that two of them are twins or something like that, and they're like, you have twin power, oh, blah, 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 that means you get to do this instead, and, like, all these insane rules. It's like playing with, like, a five-year-old who keeps changing the rules on you. Uh, But then at the end, they're like, well... You, you've survived the night, you've beaten us, you are now level two, and they're like, they're like, walking so big and bad, and they're like, oh, we're cocky, they're like, all cocky, and so I'm like, we're level two, what's up, bitches, we're level two, and they see another beast, but it's small, and they think it's like a kid uh, version of the ones that they, because the other ones were huge, or like six, seven, eight foot tall, and it's like a four foot tall one, and they was like, 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 did I hear you guys say that you guys are level two? They're like, yeah, we're level two. Oh, tag, you're it. And they're stuck there. And there's, it's like, it's like they're stuck there. So that one was kind of fun. Um, uh, Legend of the Lost Legends, pretty good. It kind of ends in a similar way, but in a, it is so fun. It's just, oh god, it's so heartbreaking. The ending. Uh, basically this guy is like, he's going after all of these, he's, he's a, you know, investigator of like Bigfoot and stuff like that. And he brings his kids along and they're trying to find called the lost legend. And they keep trying to find it. And they end up meeting with this woman who looks like a Viking that's transported through time. And like, this is that. And they find this guy and he's, or they find this group of people that are like, like they, their clothes are overgrown or like their, their hair's overgrown. Their clothes are all ratty and they're just like, they're holding on to this thing and they're like, and they're like, what do you want? And we're like, they're, they were like, 
we're here for the Lost Ledge, and they go, here, and then they, like, run away, and the problem is, is the reason it's called the Lost Legend is because if you have the legend, you become lost, and you never can find your way. Oof. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, oh my god, kind of ending. Um, Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns is a great one for Halloween, because it takes place during Halloween, kind of like uh, Haunted Mask. Haunted Mask is good, but I, that was never my favorite. Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns is really cool, because it starts off with uh, this group of friends always kind of get talked down to by the snooty kids, who always have like the best dresses and the best costumes and always go to the best houses get full-size candy bars and or like king-size bars or something like that and the, they never they can never be better than them because the, these people are always like oh well i got a new pair of shoes well i got a new pair of shoes that cost twice yours like not like and it's not like they see the new pair of shoes and then go get them it's like they happen to have already beaten them like oh i got a b on my test well i got an a on my test it's it's like one of those situations well they're like, well, I want to, like, one year, they're like, I want to scare them. I want to scare the living daylights out of them. And they manage to do that because they, they have a couple friends who go, uh, like, oh, we have an idea. Why don't we dress up as, like, walking jack-o'-lanterns and we'll scare them. And they're like, I don't know if that's going to work. Let's, let's try it. And so they set them up and they get to a point and they're like, and, you, and now your soul is mine. And uh, and one of them pulls the jack o' lantern head off to like get the mask off, and there's no head underneath. And like, and another one pulls its head off, and they're like, ah! And they start freaking out, and they run away, and everyone starts laughing. And then three kids pull the masks off, but the other two put the heads back on, and it turns out they're actually aliens, and they eat full size adults. <laughs> It's because like because you keep seeing like all these people disappear and uh, these these kids like there's they make a weird thing about like how they never eat how they never see them eating and it's like did you do you realize you made a pun on full size adults uh, full size candy bars full size candy bars full size adults and then and then the last one is my first one is Escape from Horrorland the imagery in it is so good the ending is so weird. The show does a good job of it too, but there is just something. And I remember there was whenever I first got it, and I just after I read it, I just stared at the cover because it shows like a monster that's hiding hiding behind like Horrorland this way, and like he's just like hiding behind it, but not very well because most of his head's coming up over it, and you see his like feet below, or you just see his hands. It's just it's so creepy and it's so iconic for me, so. Uh, yeah, those five. Legend of the Lost Legend, um, Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns, uh, Beast of the East, um, what was the other one besides One Day at Horrorland? I don't know. You oh, Calling All Creeps. Yeah. And then uh, One Day at Horrorland. So. And then Choose Your Own Goosebumps, uh, uh, Curse of the Purple Peanut Butter, or Attack of the Purple Peanut Butter. Because it was my first one. It, was, okay. it had such a weird, like, view on it. So, but yeah, it's so, uh, that, that was that point. So, sorry, I've, I've definitely ranted way too long about my, my favorite Goosebumps book. So, um, my review for the movie, um, 
as a long, long, long time fan of uh, all these books, which by the way, I have not reread any of those in years, and I still remember most of the plot. That's cool. Uh, my my view on the movie's got to be. I gotta go low. I gotta go two. Mm. I think there were some good points. Uh, I, I agree that Jack Black is okay in it. Um, he has some scenes that he does a decent job. I still don't feel like he represented R.L. Sign that well, but I give him a little bit of leeway, leeway because of it being a caricature. But that love interest was terrible. I remember almost booing the whole point that she was a a monster in the in the theater. I'm like, oh come on, and rewatching it, like I would honestly, like I'm just like, okay, get to the next thing, get to the next thing, so I can get this over with. I'm just like, I was going through the motions. Like it was not, it was not a re, it was, and it's not like we just watched it. We watched it when it first came out, and just now rewatched it. it it's not a, it was not an enjoyable rewatching. Um, which hurts. You know, that's that's my childhood there. So, yeah, I'm going to say two. So that's a combined score of five out of ten. Yeah. Not terrible, but not great. An average score. Yeah, and that's I feel like that's fair because they... Uh, I, I really, I really, really feel like they had some potential in things and apparently... R.L. Stein wasn't sure how they could make a movie because there's not one good story that like would be good enough for that. But like, so he's not sure how you would be able to just do one story, including all the stories. He said was a masterstroke, and actually Jack Black was one of his two choices to be it. The other one was Jim Carrey, who was signed on at one point to be R.L. Stein. But I think if they were able to go through each book and be able to represent the books themselves, that would have been so much better. And then I still, and I think you could have intertwined, interwoven the fact that there's the aunt and the mother and the father had died. And you could play it Lego Batman movie style where they reference so much of Batman's history in montages. So you could like hit every single book in the collection. You could hit all of them, even if the major parts of the stories don't happen within. Major parts happened within the story that you're particularly in at that moment you can still reference like 20 in a montage of like yeah. 20 like really memorable ones that weren't part of the main story Ralph, where they actually have to interact with the environment not just one character from it and even then it's like a caricature at that point well Aaron, i'm very proud of you and how brave you were for slogging through this and i'm sorry that it hurt you um I can only, I can only wait for next week's episode. Oh my god! As yeah, much next as week this, is be... I mean, this hurt your heart, but the next one actively boils my blood. Yeah, I for my childhood. I I remember you asking if we could do this a while ago, and I said no, and now I remember like, I finally, I recently I said yes, but we have to wait till after. Halloween, so that's why we're doing that one next. So this next one, guys, get ready. This is going to be... I let you take over on this one. I'm really glad you did, because you have more of a backing behind this than I do. Oh, oh God, yeah, yeah. I see that. But this next one, you got to give me like five uninterrupted minutes where I unleash Hellfire. 
I, I, I promise to give you more than five minutes <laughs> because I'm only going to try to temper you. That's it. Oh, you're my I'm gonna voice try of to reason. You, I'm going to keep you, keep you sane. I kind of feel like we should have a guest next week. I don't know who. We'll have to think about it. Someone I, I, needs to be here to provide a voice of reason. Well, no, that's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna. I I agree with you to an extent of your opinion on this, but oh, so we have to find some fool who actually liked this one. Oh God, no, 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 no. Let's. We're not going to throw him to the lions then. Ha! <laughs> All right, so I think we've hyped up next week and so, so jazzed. Well, first off, thank you guys for coming, sticking through all of Halloween, especially us not doing anything last week. We were so busy. Yes. Oh my so goodness. I, I hope that two episodes at once makes up for it. We're very, very sorry. There will not be another episode this week. We are just gonna do um We're gonna relax. This. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take it easy and then we'll do <laughs> then there will be a new episode the next week. And there will be blood. Oh god. <laughs> is that the name of the movie? That's not the movie that we're doing. <laughs> That's just but there, 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 there will be blood. Yeah. Sharks might be going <laughs> Oh, Elizabeth's talking about that. Mm, yeah, I I feel like half our audience absolutely knows what's going on here. I mean, they're half oh, like, yeah. whatever could you mean? Hmm. Uh, what are they leading up to? Could so, be anything. Cliffhangers. Really. Cliffhangers. Uh, and uh, I'm still gonna try. I'm gonna keep going with this. Uh, with the in question, I want to know. Oh, first off, RL Sign, if you're somehow listening to this and you came on to my show, oh my God, I would cry. Aaron has an autographed copy of your book. Yes, I forgot where it is. And I had it's on a, the shelf. It's yeah, on I forget shelf. which one it is, but yeah, they got, because they, they were going to ask me which one it, I would have wanted. I would have wanted one at Horland. Our very sign, good friend Tim went and got that sign oh for you. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh God, mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet him. But if you'd like to come on our show, we would absolutely love to have you. It'd be so fun to talk to one of these crazy prolific actors. I've managed to write one book. And I do not know how people crank out two of these a year. It, it took me yeah, seven two. years to get my book out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, for those of you who have read the Goosebumps books, what it, your favorite is, um, or if you've not read those, but you've read other ones like Fear Street or Haunting Hour, because actually his short story collections are some of my favorites, too. Um, like the haunting hour, uh, he did one. There's has oh my god, I'm not Marvin. You know the you know this one I'm talking about. I'm not Marvin. I'm not Marvin, and I can I can literally spend like a minute and I can tell you the entire plot, and it's so freaking good because it's a short story. It's kind of like how Ray Bradbury did a bunch of short stories. So did uh, R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein has a bunch of these, and he did some with, uh, like, King Arthur, kind of like this other guy, this um, uh, Bruce Coville type thing. But R.L. Stein had a bunch of collections, and one of them was Haunting Hour, and it has the bet one of the best short stories that I've ever read for kids, even. It's, uh, it's called I'm Not Marvin. Uh, and I'm Not Marvin is about this kid who goes in for to get his tonsils taken out, and he gets taken to a hospital, and... Um, he gets put into a room with this kid who constantly says, I'm not Marvin. Um, and, uh, and all the nurses like, Ugh, whatever, you know, this, you know, why does this kid have to make our job harder? And, and like, apparently like the, the guy starts talking to him and like, he seems like a normal guy, but he, 
And he's like, well, what do you want to be called? Oh, I just don't, just don't call me anything. Just say, hey, you, or something like that. And he's like, okay. And, the, you know, the, he seems like a normal enough kid. And then someone's like, hi, Marvin, you ready for dinner? I'm not Marvin. He keeps going. He keeps going with it. And uh, in the middle of the night, or like he said, or the guy, like he had to take medication for the next day so his body would be ready. Um, in the middle of the night, he had strange dreams, something about like, um, uh, there was something about like a zombie and this and that, but then like he says he remembers seeing someone at the foot of his bed smiling at him and then walking away. He didn't really understand it. And he wakes up the next morning to a couple of people walking into the room and he's like, oh, it must be time for my procedure, but my parents should be here. They're not here yet. And he starts to say something and then people's like, oh, it's this kid. Don't listen to him. And they pick up the chart. Are you ready, Marvin? And he's like, I'm not Marvin. Oh, yeah, we know. You're not Marvin. No, really, I'm not Marvin. Yeah, whatever. And they start wheeling him down the hallway. And it's like, and he, the kid, the main character, says, I'm not Marvin. He looks back and he sees Marvin poking his head out of the door, smiling and waving at him, saying, I'm not Marvin. I'm not Marvin. And the elevator doors close. <laughs> Isn't it freaking spooky? <laughs> Too spooky for you, man. Oh, it's such a great story. This, I like the kid only went in for tonsillitis or something like that, but he had to, like, it was something else that this kid had to have. And he, apparently he was scared. And he was so scared. He's like, I'm not going to have it. Like, oh, it was so scary. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I actually did that for a uh, storytelling competition. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's not my best story because it, it didn't have, uh, it wasn't long enough. But uh, my King Arthur story was uh, definitely hmm. long enough. So maybe one time I'll do a King Arthur story. I'll do a, do the King Arthur story for the podcast. That'd be fun. If you'd like to hear that, let us know. But yeah, <laughs> let us know below uh, or somewhere where the, uh, what your favorite Goosebumps book is or if it's a different one by R.L. Stein. Or if um, what you thought about the movie, if you thought it it deserves a higher rating than I gave or that Liz gave, so. Um, but be sure to like and subscribe and share, share and share like. Hashtag sharing is caring. And please don't spoil Stranger Things for us. Yes, we have not watched it as of the, as of recording this. We're hoping to watch them soon, and everyone keeps telling me it's good. So. Oh, I can't imagine how they could screw it up. They yeah. set up too great a plot at the end of season one. Exactly. So, um, but, and look forward to next week, because next week's going to be fun. I'm excited. We're going to have booze for that one. Yeah, we, we might get a little hate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I this, this might be the first episode where we actually get hate. Ooh, you're right. Bring it on. <laughs> All I can see right now is Cusco is the llama. Bring it Hang on. on. <laughs> All right, I think we've hyped up this train enough. Yeah. All right. Until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. Happy Halloween. Readers, listeners, beware. You're in for a scare. Why didn't I do that at the top? Oh, sorry. Bye. <laughs>